Paul has come through the churches there in uh, Greece, and he's given them a challenge. He said, the folks back in Jerusalem, the mother church, they're struggling. They're being persecuted. They're suffering financial hardship. He says, God has put on my heart to motivate the daughter churches here in Greece to come together, take an offering, and then I'm going to deliver that offering to the mother church in Jerusalem to help bring some relief to those suffering saints. So, so that's the context. Now, when Paul came to Corinth and he said, who's in? All the hands in the room went up. But as the time is approaching for him to come and receive the offering, he's hearing from local leadership that the congregation is losing its enthusiasm, and that's very disturbing to him. So we jump into the text, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that was given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. Now pause. He's wanting to motivate the Corinthian saints to give. He's giving them an example. He says, I've just come through Macedonia. That would be up in the northern part of ancient Greece, specifically the church at Philippi. I've just come through there. And by the way, they're going through hard times as well. Persecution is increasing there. They have pressing financial needs. And yet, even in their hardship, they have given generously. Now, it's interesting. He puts words together that we don't normally put together. A severe test of affliction, and yet there's an abundance of joy. Extreme poverty, but out of that overflows a wealth of generosity. Now, here's the irony. The folks in Corinth... That was a very affluent community. It was an ancient seaport community. Very affluent. So he says, here's my struggle. You have the means to give and you're not. And these who are struggling, they're outgiving you. All right, he continues to, again, want to motivate these Corinthians. Verse 3, they gave according to their means. Those in Macedonia, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Oh, my uh, sanctified imagination kicks in. Paul sits down with the leaders of the church there at Philippi, and they bring the gift that they've been preparing, this offering to relieve suffering saints, and they put it on the table, and Paul says, I can't take this. This is too much. I know what you all are dealing with here. I know the sacrifices you're making. I, I can't take this. And they literally beg him, Paul, don't deprive us. Don't deprive us of this opportunity to be able to invest in the ministry to these suffering saints. Now, like your pastor, I've officiated a number of offerings over the years. And I'm going to be honest with you. At times, there has been begging. But the begging wasn't coming from the pews. <laughs> the begging typically is coming from the pulpit. Here's a congregation begging Paul to let them participate in the offering. Now, why the difference in attitude toward giving? The Corinthians, the Macedonians, we have a tale of two churches here. A very generous church and a stingy church. What was the difference? He explains it in verse 5. This not as we expected... But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, 
Here was the difference. Those folks in Philippi, they understood that giving doesn't start back here in the wallet, doesn't start in the pocketbook, doesn't start in the checking account. They understood that giving starts in the heart. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then giving their stuff was easy. So I'm going to give you each night what we call a living giving principle. These are principles that we live by, that we incorporate into the rhythm of our lives, a lifestyle that reflects generosity. It goes like this. Before you give any of your material possessions to God, he first wants you to give yourself. Now, here's the challenge. We're all born with a spiritual disease. The Bible calls it sin. It manifests itself early in our lives. Our children are cute, but they're cute little sinners. Early on, we see that manifestation of sin in the form of selfishness. One of the first words they learn, mine, right? My toys, my room, my phone, my car, my house. So we grow up with this ownership mentality. And then we have this collision one day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to Romans 10, 9, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead so that we may be saved. Now, you need to understand what lordship signifies. See, it's difficult for us living in a relatively free society to truly appreciate lordship. If you had lived in that day and someone had the title of Lord over you, that meant they owned everything that you had. They could come at any time and take anything that you possessed, they could take it and you had no recourse. Lordship equates with ownership. So when you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you were acknowledging his ownership over all that you are and all that you have. That was the understanding of those folks in Philippi. Now, I'm going to wrap up each of these little sessions with a series of questions. You're discovering we like to ask questions. They get us thinking. Has there ever been a point in your life when you fully gave yourself to God? I'm not asking, did you uh, pray a prayer? I'm not asking, were you baptized? Those things are important as we are identifying with Christ. I'm, I'm asking, has there been a point that you acknowledged that all that you are all that you have belongs to Christ. You fully gave yourself to God, holding nothing back. Second, have you completely surrendered your will, your desires, and your plans to God? Not just what you possess now, but what you desire to possess, what you long to possess, surrendering all of that to the Lordship of Christ. Finally, have you transferred ownership of all your material possessions? to the Lord, acknowledging his ownership. Pull your keys out for just a moment, out of your pocket or out of your purse, your, your keys. Hold them in your hand there. I want to hear them rattling around, all right? Now, if you think about it, that handful of keys represents most of your stuff, right? You got a house key on there somewhere. Find your house key, your apartment key. Now, who does that house belong to? You say, well, Greg, mostly the bank right now. I understand, but whose name is on the loan? Whose name is on the deed? It's your name. God, thank you for letting me live in your house. 
Lord, you've been so generous. God, thank you for the furniture that you let me enjoy. That big screen TV. God, thank you for letting me live in your house. Find your car key on there. Truck key, SUV, uh, SUV key on there. I want you to see how freeing this really is. Again, that car, that truck, that SUV, who does it belong to? It belongs to the Lord. So the next time you come out of Walmart and some knucklehead has left a big old scratch in the side of your car, instead of pitching a fit in the parking lot, here's what you do. You say, Lord, would you look what he did to your car? Lord, he didn't even show you the courtesy of leaving you a note. Get him, Lord. No, no, don't, don't, go, don't go there. Don't go there. See how free this is. And so somewhere on that key ring perhaps is a key that represents your business, your office. Someone's saying, wait, Greg, I work hard for these things. Who gives you the strength? Who gives you the energy? Who gives you the intellect to be able to go out and make money? Everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God. We were leading a conference in Flint, Michigan. It was Monday or Tuesday night, I forget which, and I was standing over one side of the sanctuary, big room, kind of like this, and I was just greeting folks as they were coming in, and a man walked up to me and he said, you know, you've been challenging us in the area of generosity. And we prayed, and God has prompted us to help another family in the church. They've been unemployed for a while. They're really hurting financially. He gave me an envelope. I could tell it was thick with cash. He said, we want to do this anonymously. Would you take this and give it to the person? And he pointed him out at the other side of the room. And I said, I'd love to do that. So I walked over, introduced myself, and I said, somebody wants to be generous to you. And they've asked me to give this to you tonight, a gift in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to know that was very easy for me to do. See, I have no problem giving somebody else's stuff away, right? But hear me, church, it's all somebody else's stuff. we got to get beyond this mentality, I'm giving my stuff to God. No, I am managing God's stuff according to his will, his desires. 